Oh, hang on a second. We got some news out right now. Uh, Michael Avenatti says, quote, I have never been physically abusive in my life, nor was I last night. Any accusations to the contrary are fabricated and meant to do harm to my representation. I look forward to being fully exonerated. Tell that to Brett Kavanaugh, Michael Avenetti. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Uh, no need to check radar right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it looks like the rain has passed for now, but man, is it getting cold out there. Okay, Stacey Abrams is not conceding the race. There is now no mathematical way for Stacey Abrams to become governor of Georgia. Uh, here's the situation. She lost a case in court where she was asking a judge to count provisional ballots. Now, she got a small win in that the judge said to count absentee ballots even if they didn't have a birth date, so long as the identity can be verified. And that's all well and good, and everyone expected that because that's Georgia law, and the Secretary of State had already said to do that. That only impacted about 800 votes. Uh, She needs, given the margin is over 50,000, to get into a runoff, she needs close to 20,000 votes to shape is really like 18,900 some odd votes. I think at at this point, uh, given all the votes that have come in is she needs that many to get into a runoff. Now there are no more votes to be counted in Georgia. Every argument we're having right now is Stacey Abrams is trying to add votes into the vote pool that have been previously rejected by county officials. As I mentioned to you yesterday, and the reason I mentioned it to you yesterday is because I knew it was going to come up today in these court cases, uh, Roe versus Alabama from 1995. It's an 11th Circuit Court of Appeals case. Uh, The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, Georgia is in the 11th Circuit. Its decisions are binding on lower federal courts, district courts in northern Georgia. Um, It is the case where the 11th Circuit ruled you cannot change the standard for voting after the election is concluded. This is the problem the judge in Florida is going to run into on appeal to the 11th Circuit. A judge in Florida has ruled that the standard for counting absentee ballots should be changed now to allow 7,000 extra votes for Bill Nelson. Still not enough for Bill Nelson, mind you, uh, but he wants the the count changed. Uh, This is problematic because other counties haven't ruled on that standard, haven't allowed that standard, so there's an equal protection issue. You're counting some votes in a way you didn't count other votes, and you're counting these new votes in a way that the law says not to count them. You can't do that under the Roe versus Alabama case. Now, if that's all very confusing to you, here's it just in a nutshell. You cannot order counties to count votes in ways no other county counts the votes. That's an equal protection issue. And then you cannot order counties to count votes in ways that the law says don't count after the election has already happened. You can change it by a federal court order ahead of time, but you can't afterwards. You're not allowed to. The Supreme Court frowns on judges trying to change the rules in an election after the election has happened. And that has been Stacey Abrams' argument. And it's really Constitutional Law 101. You can't do that. She has asked a federal judge to count provisional ballots of people who are registered to vote but are not registered to vote in the counties in which they voted. One of the things that the Democrats are getting away with here that I don't think they should 
is they're having a bunch of judges say, oh, well, there were so many provisional ballots. Uh, clearly, there was something that happened in the system that caused this. It must be voter suppression. The fact, though, is that Stacey Abrams' own campaign was urging people to vote by provisional ballot. They were trying to overwhelm the system in order to make this case, uh, and it did not work out for them. So there's no mathematical way now that Stacey Abrams can become governor. Uh, at most, she can get up to about a thousand votes. There, there are reviews of county absentee ballots. Everybody's certifying Gwinnett County and other counties are certifying their results now. The state will certify the election tomorrow. She may still file lawsuits. Uh, I expect she will file a lawsuit. And the reason I expect her to file a lawsuit is because Abrams needs to keep this race going. The reason she wants to keep this race going is because of uh, Brad Raffensperger versus John Barrow. Because of Brad Raffensperger versus John Barrow, she needs to keep Democrats mobilized. That is the Secretary of State's race. It is important to remember the only candidate Democrats actively recruited to run statewide this year is John Barrow. They wanted him to run for Secretary of State. He's the former Democratic congressman from eastern Georgia. He had a base of support. And I've got to tell I was going to save this for later, but it's relevant here. I might as well get into it. Uh, I don't know that Brad Raffensperger actually ran a general election campaign. He spent a lot of money in the primary, and I presume uh, that he decided or his political consultant decided or, or whatever that he could coast to victory on the coattails of Kemp and all the work the rest of the Republicans did. It didn't work out for him. Uh, it, the grumbling in middle and south Georgia and in the Savannah area, Valdosta, Albany, is that no one ever saw Raffensperger. He ran an exclusively Metro Atlanta campaign. If he ran a campaign at all, no one seems to be sure. And now he's on a runoff. And in this runoff, he doesn't seem to be running a campaign. He seems to think he can yet yet again coast to victory. Uh, and it, it, that is a, a deeply flawed strategy when you've got John Barrow has an existing base of support in a congressional district. And Barrow has been out knocking on doors in rural Georgia and middle Georgia very aggressively. And that's going to help him in the runoff. The Republicans seem to think they have it in their head that they will automatically win a runoff. And that's not a guarantee, nor was it a guarantee that uh, Raffensperger could win outright. And he didn't. He got into a runoff. That is why Stacey Abrams is continuing to do what she's doing, because every day that Stacey Abrams can drag this out, which is why I think after certification tomorrow, we'll see lawsuits uh, from the Abrams team. The longer they drag this out, the more they keep Democrats mobilized, the more they keep the focus on the election, the more they keep the conversation about the election, the more they can convince people that the election was stolen. And then they can say there's a solution for that. Go vote for John Barrow. This entire strategy now has nothing to do with Stacey Abrams getting elected. It is mathematically impossible for Stacey Abrams to become governor now. There are no votes. At best, uh, there are a thousand votes, uh, absentee ballots, previously rejected that will be reviewed uh, under federal order. They will be reviewed by tomorrow. And a thousand votes does not get you 18,000 votes. Unless Stacey Abrams somehow has the power of Christ to to turn a thousand ballots in, into pieces of bread to fill up baskets to feed eighteen thousand, it's just it's not going to happen. She's not going to be governor. But the Democrats don't have the money to run an aggressive advertising campaign for the Secretary of State's race. They spent all their money 
in the general election trying to get into this runoff, thinking national money would pour in for the rest of the race. As a result of that, they're trying to keep this in court. As long as they keep it in court, reporters are going to cover it. National reporters are going to cover it. That Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives are saying they are going to hold a congressional investigation on the suppression of the vote in Georgia. What's going to happen is after the runoff is over, all of these conversations are going to go away. The lawsuits will go away. This is essentially a free media campaign by the Democrats for John Barrow. As long as they convince people the race is stolen and they're filing lawsuits, the media is going to cover it and there's going to be a line in there about the Secretary of State's runoff. The Democrats are going to keep blaming the Secretary of State for stealing the race and they're going to keep saying, hey, there's a runoff. You can go stop this from happening again by helping John Barrow. And thus far, the Ravensburger campaign doesn't seem like it's going to respond at all. So... The Democrats get a free pass on this. That's what it's about. I I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's got to be said repeatedly. There's just no mathematical way at this point Abrams can become governor. Even the Democratic appointed judges in the federal court have rejected her arguments to count provisional ballots now. It's over. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing my email can put my private information at risk. Yours too. In fact, you're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider. No wonder people can find you and show you ads of stuff you saw days before in other websites. It gets really creepy. And not only can they record your browsing history, you know, the reason you're seeing those ads is, well, they sell the information to corporations who want to make a profit off your information. So you can use ExpressVPN to take care of that. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It is 25 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Lindsay and Dekula, welcome. You're next. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just had a quick question. I heard you say that there were probably a thousand outstanding votes left for the governor race. Yes. Um, but where is the Democratic side getting the 27,000 or are they counting all provisional <laughs> votes? Yes. Um, so there are a large number of provisional ballots that were rejected and absentee ballots that were rejected. Um, absentee ballots were rejected for a variety of, there's a great thread on, on Twitter. I'll recirculate for everyone. Um, but absentee ballots, according to Georgia law, have to be signed. Uh, the Abrams campaign is counting absentee ballots that did not have a signature. Uh, they're counting provisional ballots of people who were not registered to vote. 
They're counting provisional ballots of people who were registered to vote but cast their ballots in the wrong county. Uh, and they're counting the provisional ballots of people who voted without a photo ID and never showed back up to verify their identity. Uh, you take all of those together, you've got about 27,000 votes. Legally in Georgia, none of those votes can be counted. Uh, but the Abrams campaign is saying they're legal votes and should be counted. Uh, no federal judge, uh, including the judges appointed by Barack Obama, have agreed with her campaign. But that's what she's saying, and that's why she won't concede. She says she won't concede until every vote is counted, and she's including those votes that legally can't be counted. I see. Thank you. You're welcome. That's the problem here, folks, is Stacey Abrams wants votes counted by people who aren't registered to vote. That may include people who aren't citizens. Uh, it may include people who are felons who haven't restored their right to vote. It may include people who are under the age of 18. We don't know. Uh, the state of Georgia rejected those. And legally, the state can't count those votes. They, they cannot do it. It is against the law to do that. It is against federal law to count votes from people who aren't citizens. But the Abrams campaign has actually argued in court that uh, votes by non-citizens should be counted. They have argued that in court. And it's not going to happen. Uh, what she is trying to do is what Bill Nelson is trying to do in Florida, and that is to change the rules of the election after it's over. And at this point, it really is a pride thing as well. Uh, Stacey Abrams staked her claim for winning on voter registration efforts. She fell short. And she cannot, because of pride, admit she fell short, and she cannot concede the race. Uh, I'll be on Laura Ingram's show on Fox tonight at 10 o'clock talking about this, by the way. We'll have more information there with Laura Ingram. I'll take your calls on it when we come back, but we got to move on as well. The Carolyn Bordeaux-Rob Woodall race is now down to about 500 votes. It is 39 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Carolyn Bordeaux is now behind Rob Woodall by about 535 votes in Gwinnett County after uh, some absentee ballots have come in. Now, she has asked a judge to order absentee ballots uh, that lacked uh, address and identifying information to be counted if they were signed. The judge has rejected that request and has largely rejected that request because essentially what Bordeaux wanted was for Gwinnett County to treat absentee ballots different from uh, Forsyth County and, and other counties in that congressional district. And the judge said, no, can't do that, can't treat these absentee ballots differently and also georgia law is very very clear that an absentee ballot has to be signed uh you can argue over whether or not the absentee ballot has to match and there is some case law that suggests it's unconstitutional to require that a voter's uh absentee ballot signature match their voter registration card and that makes sense i got to tell you as an elections lawyer uh, in years past it absolutely makes sense to me my very very first case out of law school was the defense of an election in Taylor County, Georgia. 
And I'll never forget this. Now, I, I had not gotten my bar results back yet. It was actually, um, and so I could not be the lead counsel, but I had two lawyers with me, and I was the only one who knew election law in Georgia. I'd actually interned for Secretary of State Kathy Cox's office and helped uh, draft the laws and regulations that she would propose with uh, after the um, 2000 election to try to um, try to reform the voting laws of the state. I knew election law in Georgia. And so I was there, couldn't be the lead counsel, but a lady comes in. She's in her 70s. I love this story, by the way. It's one of my favorite stories. She comes in. This is true story, y'all. She comes in and the clerk of court had lost by 17 votes. His lawyer did not know that there's a mathematical formula for vote fraud. Uh, that you need to use. Essentially, you can't just go in and say, I lost by 17 votes. Let me find 17 people who had problems and I can have this uh, new election called. And the reason you can't do that is because you can't presume that everyone votes for you. So there's a mathematical formula you have to use based on total number of votes cast, total number of votes cast in your race and uh, the, the gap. So essentially you take total number of votes cast. Let's say it's, it's 5,000. Let's say there are 4,000 votes cast in your race. And then uh, you lose by 17. So there's a gap of 1,000. And then there are 17 um, votes between you and the winner. You need 1,017 votes. You got to show 1,017 votes. Or you, you got to show sufficient irregularity that a reasonable person would say this election was completely screwed up. Uh, which is a very hard burden, really hard burden. So woman comes in, she's in her late seventies and the, the lawyer shows the woman, the absentee ballot of her brother and his voter registration card. And the signature is not only is it completely different. Uh, his signature card was from like the 1940s. Uh, not only is it a completely different signature, but it's clearly a woman's handwriting. I mean, very clearly a woman's handwriting. And she had signed the ballot for him. And there's a little language in there that you can't sign someone's ballot for him. They have to sign it. And he asked her why <laughs> both arms had been ripped off in a cotton gin. Now, the reason he wasn't there instead of her is he died the day after the election. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like a scene out of, out of My Cousin Vinny. She put on her glasses and they were like Coke bottle glasses. Her eyes got as big as saucers behind these glasses. And when she read that language uh, that it was a felony for someone else to sign your ballot, I mean, you could just see this woman thought she was going to jail until she said, I had to sign it. He got his arms torn off in a cotton gin. <laughs> oh, it's still my favorite case I ever, ever litigated. As an aside, one of the other um, people in this, and, you know, the, the hard thing, listen, uh, election law is very hard to specialize in because you only have elections every other year generally uh, other than municipal elections. It's just not a very common thing. Uh, and this lawyer had done his best to research it, and he, but he just thought it. I mean, you would think so, too. You lose an election by 17 votes. You think, I just need to find 18 votes, really, to, to count, to, to throw out. And, but that wasn't true. And I knew it and no one else in the room did. I had to explain it to the judge because the judge thought so too. Once it, once I did the, it, to the judge, it made complete sense. Cause again, you can't ever ask anyone in court. You can't ask them who they voted for. Your vote is confidential. Uh, so you can't go up there and, and say, well, I got these 18 people whose votes had problems in the election. Therefore I can throw them out. 
Um, so we get up there, there's another guy and he had been intimidated. And so the lawyer brings him in. He said he was intimidated and the judge gets really, really angry. He didn't want anybody intimidating any witnesses in this case. And so he orders the courtroom cleared and the door sealed. And, and he's going to talk to this guy. Uh, the guy gets in there and the lawyer confirms the man confirms that yes, he was intimidated. So the judge closes the doors uh, has the, the the sheriff's deputy stand there. Nobody can come in. He doesn't want anybody um, talking about this. Doesn't want anybody knowing. Doesn't want this man feeling unsafe. And the judge looks at the witness and he says, Sir, you were intimidated? And he says, Yes, sir. And he says, I want the name. I want to know who intimidated you. I'm going to throw that person in jail. And the man says, Nobody. And the judge just gets this look on his face. He says, What? And the man says, yes, sir, your honor, I'm intimidated. I had never been in a courtroom before. <laughs> oh, Everybody thought it was funny except the judge and the poor witness. Uh, that case was over. We won the case, defended the election. It is 55 after the hour. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, wsb talk I mentioned last night the Twitter thread from Jennifer Brett about the uh, veteran from the Iraq War who was homeless living in a car in a parking lot. Uh, and my lament that a lot of real gospel-believing, gospel-preaching churches have somewhat abandoned the sphere of helping the homeless and those in need uh, outside of their church to the social justice uh, liberal theology crowd. And a number of listeners, uh, including one who called the office and left me a voicemail, called to tell me about Family Promise. Uh, FamilyPromiseCobbCounty.org is is the website. Uh, it is a group of churches in the area, good God-fearing churches, they all said, who really are helping the homeless. And there are some as well. Um, there are a, a number of good ministries in the area, and I probably overspoke last night. I, I hope people understand what I mean, though, that there are way more churches that could be doing more. you got a handful of good Bible-believing churches pouring out their sweat equity and Others are sending kids off to the beach in Mexico to work on their tan, which is a pet peeve of mine. Nonetheless, when we come back, uh, we've got a lot of people on hold. wanted to do justice to their phone calls and give you an update in the Florida election and remind you that gridlock is good. And can we spend some time laughing about the Democrats in Washington? They're convening and they're already at each other's throat over Nancy Pelosi. Florida. The Florida recount is run by Florida, man. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Nine after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Before we get back to the phones, uh, Ron DeSantis is now officially governor-elect of Florida. The machine recount um, barely changed the number for uh, the DeSantis-Gillum race. The Secretary of State in Florida saying a manual recount is not necessary. Uh, but the machine recount swung 779 votes towards Rick Scott. Now, this is really important. you got to pay attention to this. 
So the recount had to be concluded by 5 o'clock. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, it had to be concluded by 2 o'clock this afternoon. In Broward County, there was a 779-vote swing to Rick Scott. The reason that there was a swing to Rick Scott is it turns out that in the original count, they commingled 2,400 ballots together that had already been counted. So they double counted up to 2,000 ballots. When they cleared everything up, they got re- they weeded out the duplicate ballots. Uh, they realized their mistake. Uh, Rick Scott picked up 779 votes. Now here's the kicker. Under Florida law, the recount had to be concluded at 2 p.m. If the recount was not concluded at 2 p.m., the original vote counted. The vote that did not have those 779 votes for Rick Scott. Broward County's election superintendent, Brenda Snipe, said that they, they met the deadline. And then, after realizing that Rick Scott had picked up 779 votes... They said, oh, nope, sorry, we were two minutes late, two minutes late. So now Broward County has sent in the original vote. (laughs) You cannot make this stuff up. A federal judge this evening is saying that Broward County has made a mockery of Florida yet again and is demanding answers to all of this. Um, This is Florida. Now, you should know them. So there will now be a hand recount. Each party will send observers. They will observe the conduct of the manual recount. And uh, from there, they will proceed uh, to determine the election. It is going to be very, very difficult, I think, for Bill Nelson to get 12,000. I mean, look at the the DeSantis-Gillum recount. Uh, It didn't shift the vote margin by 50 votes. In fact, uh, since the year 2001, there have been three statewide recounts nationwide that have changed. And those three statewide recounts nationwide were changed when the elections were within 25 votes of each other. There has never been a recount in a statewide office in any state since everyone moved to electronic voting machines after 2000, where if the vote was more than a 50-vote margin, uh, the loser wound up winning. It hasn't happened. Uh, And it didn't happen in Gillum DeSantis, and it's not going to happen in Rick Scott, Bill Nelson. Rick Scott will be the next senator in Florida, just as it is now official. Ron DeSantis is the governor-elect in Florida. Now, this Florida race, it's amazing to me to see Democrats calling into question Georgia, where there is no question in Georgia, and the media and Democrats alike uh, mostly completely ignoring what's happening in Florida. It is just striking to me. And you know how the day after the election— the day after the election last Tuesday, there were a string of stories in different media outlets that, well, 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 no one's talking about the caravan anymore. 
It's not on Fox News. Never mind that it actually was on Fox News. Laura Ingram covered it the day after the election. There were all these issues. No one's talking about the caravan. It must have all been about. They must have not been serious. It was all about the election. I guarantee you that when the Secretary of State's runoff is over, Democrats in Georgia will finally stop talking about voter suppression and the vote being stolen. The only reason they're doing it is because of the Secretary of State's runoff. Now, by the way, apparently Chuck Eaton uh, on the Public Service Commission has been dragged into a runoff as well. Uh, Chuck is a great guy. Uh, I thought he had eked out of the runoff, which is why I hadn't mentioned it. Uh, I, I got more of an investment in, in getting Chuck reelected than in getting Raffensperger elected, although I think we got to get uh, the Republican in the Secretary of State spot. And I just I don't know what's going on in that race, y'all. Now, I've had several people reach out to me this evening as I've been on air to tell me the Mark Roundtree of Landmark is Brad Raffensperger's consultant. Um, I, I don't know Mark well. We've traded emails in the past. Uh, he does some polling that uh, has been used here, I think, by WSB in the past, Landmark polling. But I, I'm, I hope they figure out a game plan outside of the Atlanta area to make Raffensperger very visible and get the Republicans lined up behind him. Uh, we need all the Republicans lined up for Raffensperger. And I'm, I have had conversations with some of his colleagues in the state legislature this week that suggest that there really isn't a ton of love lost there. Uh, if you will recall, Buzz Brockway and Josh McCoon, uh, Buzz in the state house, Josh McCoon in the state Senate, they were intending to run and the house and Senate were lining up behind them. Then David Bell Isle, a uh, great guy, by the way, uh, mayor of Alpharetta decided to run and, and Raffensperger jumps in kind of surprised everyone. He apparently has a lot of money and is spin it uh, to get himself the nomination. And a buddy of mine texted me this afternoon and said he had a guy working on the primary, but then the guy went back to school and I guess he just presumed that he would coast into office on the, with all the other Republicans. And it didn't work out that way. Uh, the Republicans, you as a Republican voter, need to look at what the Democrats are doing, need to look at all the Democratic claims, and need to ask yourself how Democrats would run the Secretary of State's office if they got it back. And you are going to need to vote in the runoff. you got to vote for Chuck Eaton as well. Uh, fantastic guy on the Public Service Commission. we got to get Chuck uh, in office, uh, get him reelected. Raffensperger can be ancillary, I guess. I'm just, I'm, I, y'all, I, I don't mean to be uh, mean, condescending, rude, or anything. I'm just, I'm baffled by that Secretary of State's race. Uh, I was, I, I'm, I'm well known, not a big fan of Jim Beck, the insurance commissioner candidate who apparently has won. But, I mean, he put in a show all over the state of Georgia. I mean, he was everywhere campaigning. He's got signs and uh, random four-way stops all over South Georgia. And people knew his name, people knew his signs, he had good-looking signs, and he won. He also had a great ad. Um, I, I don't know that I've, I think I've seen one Raffensperger ad, and I'm not aware of any major presence that he's had around the state. So you now got uh, Lieutenant Governor-elect Jeff Duncan, we've got Governor-elect Case uh, Brian Kemp, we've got Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, Governor Nathan Deal, um, and we, we got to get Ravensburger across the finish line of this runoff uh, because God knows the Democrats will do everything they can to 
pull every dead person out of the grave and put them on the voter rolls if if John Barrow gets elected with his cutesy little ad. I may be a Democrat, but I'm not going to bite you. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing my email can put my private information at risk. Yours too. In fact, you're being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider. No wonder people can find you and show you ads of stuff you saw days before in other websites. It gets really creepy. And not only can they record your browsing history, you know, the reason you're seeing those ads is, well, they sell the information to corporations who want to make a profit off your information. So you can use ExpressVPN to take care of that. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on your computer, phone, and tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. And protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It is 25 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The Georgia Department of Transportation wants you to know they are ready for winter weather. And I just, I, that reminds me, I do, I need to just praise the DOT. I'm assuming they're, they're responsible for it. The uh, wildflowers, the median of the interstate, particularly the pink cosmos uh, flowers. They're just beautiful. Uh, the last several weeks of driving back and forth into the city, seeing those wildflowers, they've just it's just been really, really a, a nice thing. Uh, I, I hope they do it all the way up and down the interstate and not just in patches or let them spread naturally. I don't know, but just, just pretty. To the phones, to the phones. Alan from Sandy Springs, you're up next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. I appreciate you allowing me on the uh, show today. It's a great show. I had a question. I believe it's the election in Maine. I glanced at Yahoo when I was leaving work today, and I saw something about a Republican that had won the majority of the vote ended up losing the seat because uh, folks that voted for candidates that weren't the top two, basically (laughs) their second-choice vote was allowed to be switched such that they could pick their second choice, and then that caused a Democrat to flip that election. I was wondering if you had an yeah. opinion on that. Uh, yes, I do. It, it is they basically they've seeded it to an algorithm to decide this stuff. I think it's unconstitutional myself. Uh, and the Republican has filed a lawsuit for y'all who don't understand what Alan's talking about. Uh, Maine changed the way you vote up there, and so now you vote by choice. Who's your first choice? Who's your second choice? And so if your first choice candidate doesn't win, then your fallback goes to your second, um, it goes to your second. And as a result, the Republican won a congressional district up there, the main second congressional district, and then wound up losing, even though he won most votes because, uh, people's first choice didn't get 
picked didn't come into the top two. So like your Green Party, your Libertarian Party, your Independence Party, your Communist Party, your Socialist Party, uh, they get to pick. I, I want the Communists, but if I don't get the Communists, I want the Democrats. So since the Communists didn't get into the top two, their vote rolled over to the Democrat and it pushed the Democrat ahead. I just don't think that's constitutional um, and not in our system. So I he's filed a lawsuit and I hope he wins. I think that's a terrible, terrible idea. It is 40 after the hour. It's Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Jennifer Peebles is a reporter for the AJC. She's gone around the state looking at the absentee ballots uh, that were rejected. And she's looked at the data from the Secretary of State's office. Uh, I want to give you some idea of why absentee ballots in the state were rejected. Uh, In Stewart County, Georgia, one voter changed his mind, decided not to vote. Uh, 42 ballots were rejected because the voter died before the election. One man in South Georgia was marked as voters deceased as of this morning, election day. Uh, 79 ballots were rejected because they lost the actual ballot. At least three ballots were rejected because there's an outer envelope and the inner envelope contains the ballot and they forgot to put the uh, ballot in the actual envelope. Uh, Another was rejected. A lady in Savannah who threw her significant under the bus says her husband actually voted on her ballot. Eight people threw their ballots away, either accidentally or on purpose. The list shows nine, but one lady in Fayette County was listed twice. It looks like she threw away the mailed one, and then she voted early in person. Hurricane Michael killed dozens of people, did millions of dollars in damage, and it also got four people's ballots. Uh, The first two were in the same family. Their ballots were uh, destroyed in the hurricane. The hurricane damage ballots, by the way, they weren't rejected. They were damaged or lost, so they were marked off the list by county officials. Uh, three people apparently had their ballots torn up. Uh, another in DeKalb County, the voter's dad decided to vote on the ballot. And then there's a lady in East Central Georgia whose ballot was canceled. She had to vote an early person because her dog ate it, uh, not making that up. Um, and there you go. That gives you a sense of the ballots around the state. A lot of the ballots were rejected because people failed to sign the ballot. There is actually, if you've never gotten an absentee ballot in Georgia, there is a block underneath the signature and it tells you by state law, you must sign your absentee ballot. If you do not sign your absentee ballot, your absentee ballot is going to be rejected by the state. Got to have a signature on it. That's where we stand. There are not enough votes for Stacey Abrams. Brian Kemp is the governor-elect. Let's go back to the phones. Michael and Johns Creek, you're next. Welcome. Uh, Eric Michael here. I, I have a question. You You prompted it when you said about people digging up dead bodies and getting them on the voter rolls. My question is, once you have somebody who is, let's say, deceased on the voter rolls, how in the world do they then go into 
the polling place and present them or their name fraudulently to get a ballot to even vote. To, I, I have to give my ID. I have to show that I live in the in the county. All that stuff. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm just really it, curious as to. It's harder. This is this is why photo ID is such a good thing. It used to be in Georgia that you could take a bill, a utility bill, and take that with you as your ID. Uh, You didn't have to have a picture. So there were cases in Georgia when Karen Handel was secretary of state. She documented several thousand of them uh, for various reasons or another. In one particular case, I recall someone actually had their mail stolen. And when they showed up to vote, uh, someone had already voted in their name. Well, that person had showed up with their Georgia power bill and claimed to be the other person. Um, there, it is actually very hard to do election day fraud though, because of the ID requirement, typically where fraud comes into play in elections is the absentee balloting. That's why the state cracks down on failure to sign and failure to put identifying information, because a lot of times you will have people who, um, they show up and they they fill out the ballot for someone else. Uh, there have been plenty of well-documented cases around the country where you have voter groups on the left and the right who go out, uh, encourage people to get absentee ballots, and then they fill out the absentee ballot for the voter, assuming the voter is going to vote Republican or Democrat, and they fill it out. And those people tend to get tracked down, arrested, and thrown in jail. Um, it's not super common anymore. Uh, but because of, of the way voting is processed now, the with the advent of computers and computerized technology and boards of elections, they keep very good real time traffic of who has requested an absentee ballot. Has it been mailed out and it's logged into day of voting? So if you show up on the day of the vote and this is why some provisional ballots have been rejected, by the way, uh, you show up on Election Day, you cast your vote and they say, wait a second, wait a second, you, you can't vote or you don't cast your you show up to cast your vote. They say, wait a second, you can't vote. You cast an absentee ballot. And the person says, I never sent in my absentee ballot. So you give them a provisional ballot, and then they go back and check. Has the absentee ballot been placed in the vote pool? If it has, they don't count the provisional ballot. If it hasn't, they will count the provisional ballot. In some cases, as I was just documenting here with some of these cases, people did vote on absentee ballot, and then they're like, nah, I changed my mind. I want to vote for somebody else instead. They show up on election day, say, don't count my absentee ballot. That's why absentee ballots are counted last, by the way. And then they vote provisionally. Um, there are all sorts of reasons there. It's harder and harder to commit election day fraud, though. It is typically absentee balloting or fraudulent registrations that cause problems. And we've still got to do a better job of cracking down on all of those things. It's 54 after the hour. Democrats are at each other's throat in Washington, D.C. They are trying to oust Nancy Pelosi. And and, uh, this is part of the the signal to noise ratio you got to deal with in politics sometimes where the media is paying a lot of attention to the people who want to oust Nancy Pelosi because they like the drama. It's ratings. But I don't know that she has the votes or that these people have the votes. They're trying to put up someone against Pelosi, but it looks more and more like they're just not going to have the votes to oust her because she has the backing of a large number of Democrats. And ironically, it's the progressives who want to oust her. They feel like she is old and a threat and outmoded and 
bad for their brand. They want someone younger, young progressive blood they want. And I don't think they're going to get it, but they are beside themselves in anger over Pelosi, who is making them angry. I mean, Pelosi is basically trolling them today. Like she didn't even comment on a letter. They released a letter calling on Pelosi to step aside when the media asked her her thoughts on it. She said she never even bothered to read it, which just got him even more mad. <laughs> it is just hilarious to watch. And of course, they're all trying to fire at the Republicans, but they're firing at each other at the same time. The progressive purges are going to be awesome to behold. Along those lines, though, I see all sorts of Republicans freaking out now about the investigative powers by the Democrats, and they're going to use it for all it's worth. They're threatening even to investigate the election here in Georgia, which would be a very funny side. I suspect they'll it, that conversation will disappear after uh, Raffensperger beats John Barrow in a few weeks. Nonetheless, this is a reminder that gridlock is good. The inability of Congress to get anything done is actually a good thing. Now, unfortunately, one area that Republicans and Democrats agree in Washington is on spending, so we may get some big spending out of it. But gridlock is a good thing, and I think we need to appreciate that gridlock is a good thing. And I think we need to encourage the Democrats and Republicans to get nothing done in Washington, D.C. Talk to you all tomorrow. <laughs>